which is fine because CrossFit at its core is really focused on movement. And movement is what CrossFit does better than anybody. And what we see is a lot of different exercise regimens. They skip high quality, important, functional human movements because they're too hard for people. Because they have low expectations of what the American public can do or will do. And they're right a lot of the time, unfortunately, right? Is it hard to learn how to do a squat clean thruster? Yeah, absolutely. But can people who can perform 30 squat clean thrusters at their body weight, are those people significantly stronger and healthier than people who are doing just about any other fitness domain? And don't we talk all the time about how if we know something is right, if it's good for us, but it's maybe a little bit uncomfortable and hard for us in the short term. Don't we talk about how that's still the right thing to do? That's what we should do. We should aspire to be able to accomplish these things. We should have high expectations for ourselves. That's an old podcast. We did that a long time ago. Having high expectations for yourself, like, and why are we so used to, why are we creating a society and kids and developing youth in this country where it is normal to just tell people like, ah, that's hard, but you can just do this and it's way easier and so much more fun. It's like, why? Why is that the way we're doing things? Like, yeah, easier is sitting on your butt and watching Netflix and eating Oreos all day. That's easier. Nobody's going to argue that. Of course it is. It's like, oh, well, I feel way more comfortable when I don't have to go to CrossFit. Yeah, right. That statement is exactly why you should go. Because you have to actively do something that is slightly, in the most moderate way, uncomfortable in the short term, so that in the long term, you support all of these other great benefits that you get from it. We are built to be able to do an overhead squat. A toddler can easily do an overhead squat. You give them a paper towel roll and show them how to put it over their head, you'll see a gorgeous overhead squat out of a one-year-old. We should be able to do that movement. And so what CrossFit has done is it has built in the mechanics and the consistency of all of those movements. They've created a full exhaustive list of what those movements look like. And that is the base fundamental of CrossFit. That's why I love it, because I believe that movement is medicine. And I believe that we should all be aspiring to perform the human movements that we're going to talk about how you build capacity and consistency, right? But building those human movements from the ground up. And I think that every adult human should be at like actively working on being able to perform a barefoot, high quality overhead squat with a PVC pipe. And I think if we were able to do that and work on that, you'd see a lot of the health things. Like if ever, if we were to say right now, just just create the human and every American who can do that, they are that version of themselves. See, a lot of people are going to have to lose weight for it. A lot of people are going to have to do yoga and mobility for it. A lot of people are going to have to do a bunch of things just to be able to do that one movement, right? But the act of having to go through yoga, the act of having to lose the weight is going to make you healthier just to be able to do this one display of movement. 
And so I do think it is just one of the most important things. And we take it back to why we say mental health is more important. I think there's a lot of reasons. I think it's because mental health, when mental health goes bad, nothing else goes well. Right? If you're in a bad mental state, if you're not actively seeking out really good, high quality uh, things in your life, then we're going to discuss some of the mistakes and some of the benefits that you're just going to be missing out on because we aren't able to have the right focus. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. I had so many thoughts that I had to do this little pre-roll before we actually got kicked into it. guys what is going on today i am really excited because this is probably my single most passionate subject to talk about which is human movement so this is part three of the friendship pyramid and honestly one of the big things that i like to think about now and you know how we differentiate ourselves from other crossfit gyms in the area and really now honestly like i don't even view other crossfit gyms i've never viewed other crossfit gyms as competition i have always thought that we are a conglomerate working together to try to bring better health practices to our community even gyms that are run relatively poorly are still preaching, you know, minimal sugars, you know, natural foods, hard, intense exercise, resistance training, uh, functional movements, you know, all these different things. So at their base, even if they as a business maybe aren't run well, or maybe the coaches aren't, you know, acting in the most professional manner, or maybe even aren't professionals, they have other full-time jobs, which is super common. You know, it's a tough industry, the gym industry obviously is probably one of the most, if not the most competitive industries in the entire world. And, and so we're fighting an uphill battle as a group of CrossFit gyms. But, you know, I've also think that we've sort of skewed, and I guess I would say added on top of or piled on top of what CrossFit kind of thinks about as its core tenets and really the first two parts of this. So mental is something that is not actually discussed in a lot of CrossFit literature, a lot of the CrossFit training. It's just a domain generally that I don't think that they talk a lot about. But I have conversation after conversation with school administrator, people in the military, teachers about the suicide rate, the depression rates, you know, over medicated, all of these things that just sort of come back to this idea of just mental health. And so for me, that's the biggest thing that I see that we differentiate as a coaching staff, as a facility, as a community, is we are not pushing mental health to the side. In fact, we shine a light on it and we talk about it as the A number one most important thing. If you were working internally, if you were always working on being a better person, a better version of yourself, somebody who's working hard at that to be more communicative, to be more positive, to be more pensive and thoughtful about the decisions they're making, to actively try to make better habits in their life. If that's the type of person you are, then naturally everything else you do, at least this is my belief, everything else you do is going to elevate and get better because of that. 
And so I think that's hugely important when we talk about health and fitness and nutrition and exercise, because that's what we're doing it for. We're doing those things. I mean, all other things equal. If eating an Oreo and eating a, you know, box of kale were like netted you the same results in terms of being a stronger, more formidable human with better disease. Like everybody would eat Oreos or maybe Oreos aren't your jam. Maybe like, you know, Jenny's ice cream is more your jam, whatever it is, right? Insert whatever thing is like your guilty pleasure. If they had the highest nutritional value, there's not a person in the world who wouldn't just binge eat that stuff all day. So it's a practice of mental discipline physical control and delaying the short-term gratification so that we can grow and be a better person in the future. And doing that is a lot of times going to require the right mental state. So we're working our way up the pyramid now. Okay. And I like to tell people, envision yourself as a person. Think back to the beginning of your CrossFit journey or think back maybe even to the beginning of like your exercise journey, which for me is way more funny. You know, it all began in the Worthington Kilbourne High School weight room. I was a 16 year old boy or 15 year old boy and lacrosse lifting started and they threw us into this room with no guidance and no system and no coaching and said like, hey, this is lacrosse lifting time, which basically doubled as, you know, checking out the the older track girls exercising at the same time. That was pretty much uh, mine and Jay's beginning lifting experience in high school. At least that's what I remember of it. And so, like, you know, when you think back to that person, you know, it's like I didn't have any of the foundational stuff. Right. I didn't. I mean, I, I was very far away from being mentally dialed in, which isn't uncommon at all for a 16 year old boy. Right. Like we don't necessarily have that expectation on 16 year old boys. Uh, definitely didn't have nutrition dialed in and I was getting no help on my movement mechanics or otherwise. So at the top of the pyramid is sport. So effectively, I was screwed when it came to sports. Right. I was very athletic. I was a good athlete naturally, but I was not in the right mental state at all in terms of kind of where I was at in my life, my friends, my self-confidence. I was a late bloomer. I was a very short and skinny and scrawny person. And, you know, a lot of that probably came down to both my nutrition, my exercise and some of those things. But generally, I'm just I was just skinnier. My brother's the same way. My nephew's the same way. It's just kind of something that's in our family. A little bit later, bloomers, a little bit skinnier by nature. And so I had these things working against me. I actually was okay at conditioning, right? When we did like long runs as a team, I did well with that stuff. But from a sports perspective, at the very top of the pyramid, I had a terrible, terrible, very weak foundation. And when I think now to how I've kind of made that progression over time, for me, it had to start from being in the right mental place and dialing in my nutrition, which for me happened during the military, right? Right when I first uh, went in, I had some success with basic training. I didn't really have unhealthy food options, right? There's no grocery store. There's no chance to get bad foods. Uh, so you're eating pretty dialed in and you're mentally pretty like on top of things, right? You remove all distractions from your life and it's an easy way to start kind of kickstarting you in a good mental place. From there, when I got to my unit, uh, my first time, I was able to find some people who could teach me the right weightlifting movements and start to help me hone my mechanics and my consistency. And then from there, I was able to build strength and capacity. 
So those are going to be sort of the three subtopics for today, right? We think we like basically anybody's progression, at least in my opinion, is has to start that way. You have to start with some precipitous of change. And we talk about this all the time for people who are in a funk. They're in a downward spiral. Let's say we've just, we haven't exercised for 20 years. We're 46 years old. We're a hundred pounds overweight. And we've just been in a downward spiral where we have not been caring for ourselves as a person. We just have been either focusing on other things and other people or neglecting ourselves in our own self-care. And if that's where we're at, You're only going to find success if you start by making a mental shift, right? And we think about that. I like, it sounds like, it sounds bad sometimes, but when sometimes when negative things happen to people, but you know, on the back end of it, like it's going to be the kick in the ass that they need. Like when somebody goes to the doctor and they're like, Hey, listen, you know, we got to put you on three medications and, you know, uh, we're going to run some tests because you know, I think you have two, type two diabetes. It's like, okay, that day, like that sucks. Like that's a shitty feeling and I understand it. But if that shitty feeling makes you get off your butt and start to change your mental state, your attitude and your focus, then you have to look at that in the long term as a positive thing because you're going to build the base of your pyramid and you are now going to be capable of going higher and achieving something that you would not have been able to achieve if you didn't have that conversation with your doctor, if you didn't have that negative interaction. And so you have to start there. And anything that doesn't start there, you're building on a house of cards. If you start something for the wrong reasons, right, you start a new exercise regimen to meet a girl or to meet a guy. And this happens all the time at Friendship, less now, but it used to happen all the time. Then on the long term, you are going to not achieve what you want to achieve or what you could achieve if you were coming for reasons that were internally focused, that helped you have a good state, attitude and focus in your training. What I would say, if you had a real why, if you really had a real reason to come. Because meeting a person is not a reason to go and do something, okay? In my opinion, the best ways to meet somebody, to meet somebody that you're going to spend the rest of your life with or to meet a great friend is when you're working hard on being the best version of yourself. And so you do things that you love, that are good for you, around people that you care about, then you're naturally going to meet somebody who fits into that lifestyle. And those are always going to be the best relationships, But a lot of times if we go hunting or we go looking or we go do things that we otherwise wouldn't be doing, right? Like right now, if I got deep into like the rave scene and I was like, you know what? I'm going to get like hardcore into EM music and, you know, start dropping acid. I don't know if that's something that's still associated with it. I still associate it with that. But if you guys love like EM music and you don't do that, that's my bad. But let's say like I'm going to just start doing that. And I'm saying like I'm going to do that because I know there's like really good looking women who like EM music and go to concerts. And, you know, it's going to be a great way for me to get in front of a new crowd. And I go and I don't really like EM music that much. I definitely don't like the vibe in the environment there, but I know that it's a good way for me to meet people. If I meet somebody there, then I'm going to be really unauthentic. 
And I know in the back of my head that I'm not going to keep going to EM concerts, but I might meet somebody who's a great person, nothing wrong with them. Like I, I might even love them, but they maybe want to keep traveling the world and going to EM concerts like for five or 10 more years. And I know that I don't want to do that. And that's going to cause a rift in our relationship. And it was because I wasn't authentic with being in the right mental state and attitude in taking on this new endeavor. And so I think that's something to be very, very careful for when, you know, if you guys are listening to this and you're newer to the facility, make sure that you have a why for you. Make sure you understand what is driving you to want to be in a better mental state and to be more focused and committed to improvement. And I mean, go far with it, like put it on your mirror, print it out, make it the backdrop on your phone, like see it all the time. Remind yourself constantly why you are working hard to be a better person. You know, you're somebody who's super ambitious because you want a better future for you and your family or your kids. Are you somebody who's worried about where you're at from a health perspective and you see maybe your parents starting to, uh, you know, get into worse health later in life and maybe they're only in their like 50s or 60s and you're worried about them and you don't want that to happen to you and you see the make mistakes that they're making and you don't want to make those same mistakes. So whatever it is, doesn't matter. But if we don't start with that right appropriate mindset in that good solid base then we're going to limit our way upward and we already talked about nutrition hopefully you guys were able to make it through that podcast with andy and so here we are right we're to movement okay now oh, all right let's get let's get down and dirty here okay so there is so many different things to talk about and i love having these debates the thing that frustrates me a lot with debates about different types of workout programs is i think people do a bad job of saying like they you you sort of have to hedge this with like on the surface I am just really glad if anybody is doing anything like if you're trying to move with intention and purpose then I'm excited for you right no, like regardless of what it is just because I know that the easy way out the easy option is to keep five, seven, 10, if you count commutes and all that other stuff, hours of your week to do unhealthy, selfish stuff, right? Like what else are you going to do? You know, it's like, okay, it's, there's very rarely going to be a substitute for movement. That's going to be something that we would say is a really like super healthy habit for you to have. Okay. So that's kind of my first thought is, you know, I love hearing about, you know, people's discipline as it comes to schedule, as it comes to exercise, as it comes to all these different things. So I think that's something that's just got to be said beforehand, because pretty much the rest of the stuff I'm going to say is maybe going to be at a slight, quote unquote, you know, slighting other workout regimens. But it's not meant that way. At the end of the day, you need to really focus on, you know, what is you know, it's just like nutrition, you know, the absolute best way to eat might be, you know, 
like a, a very vegetable heavy diet with really clean, you know, like grass fed, you know, beef and fish and eggs and all these like and all these things. But like that's just because that's optimal doesn't mean that everybody should do it because it's so hard to do that compliance is going to be a very low percentage. So at the end of the day, 100 percent compliance and 80 percent optimal is always going to be better than, you know, 20 percent compliance and 100 percent optimal. So just some important kind of general things to be thinking about with that. So when we talk about this, let's take it from the top down today on the pyramid. Okay, so mechanics, mobility and technique. And this absolutely 100 percent has to come first. Now, we model friendship right now. And we've always I've always thought about this way as you know, how do I wish I would have been brought on board? How do I wish that I would have been indoctrinated into CrossFit and been taught and had all these different resources? Like what resources would I consume? How would I, you know, read or listen to podcasts or watch YouTube videos? Like what would entertain me? What would keep me engaged and all these things? And the way that we bring people on now is, you know, we have a movement assessment that starts and we have a baseline to see, okay, this mobility is going to be a concern. Technique in this movement and this movement are going to be almost impossible given their movement constraints. And so if we can't get into a position that as a human, we should be able to get in, then that obviously is going to be one of our first and biggest priorities as we begin training. And for a lot of people as adults, if we're getting into 30, 40, 50 years old, we're probably working against years of damage, right? So for me, it's like, I honestly can tell you, I don't think that I squatted legitimately squatted. And I'm just talking like an air squat from the time I stopped playing catcher when I was like 14, probably until I was like 25. Right. And so naturally my hips got really tight. Right. I ran a ton. And when you run a ton and you don't squat, you develop a really bad lower body hip, you know, like you just everything gets all tight and weak and like strong in weird areas. And like you start to, you know, just kind of I don't say fall apart, but your natural human movement uh, definitely suffers from not squatting and lunging consistently. So for me, if you were taking, you know, 22 year old Jeff and you're going to say, you know, hey, we're going to get you dialed in to be a CrossFit Games, you know, champion, the absolute pinnacle of human development, human performance. So you have to start every single day with five minutes of a PVC overhead squat hold barefoot. You're never, ever allowed to wear any gear when you do weightlifting for the first year, right? No belts, no knee sleeves, no shoes. If your knees are hurting you, that is a telltale sign that our technique wasn't right and we need to go through a couple of recovery days, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. But if I had a coach telling me those things, all of my issues that I faced down the road would just have been not existent. Like my lower back issues all stem from having tight hips and tight ankles that I didn't address until I was six years into CrossFit. And what was I doing during those first six years? I was powerlifting a lot of the time. I was low bar back squatting and deadlifting. And without knowing it, 
I was avoiding the problem and strengthening the bad movement patterns that were already strong. Right. So this is diving a little bit deep into the nitty gritty, but a high bar back squat is a great expression or a front squat rather is a great expression. They're the two great expressions of sitting into a really nice vertical torso squat, being able to sit your butt down to your ankles with bare feet and solid tracking knees. We should be able to do that, right? If you watch a baby, like a six-month-old, they are in that position all the time, playing on the ground, sitting in a squat, and it's gorgeous. And we just screw that up as adults throughout our school system and everything that we do, right? Sitting too much, basically. And so that expression, right, the the answer to it when you're a new you know, entry into this is take the weight all the way off, you know, 65 pounds, 95 pounds, empty bar, whatever, right? Pop that bar on your back, wear absolutely nothing and just sit and just stay in that position for a while. And if you can't do that, take a kettlebell and put it in a goblet squat. And if you can't do that, grab onto a door jam or a rig or whatever until you can start to feel comfortable and your body will start to sort of submit and give and allow yourself to feel more comfortable with that you know, ass to grass, you know, butt to ankles, vertical squat position with solid knee tracking. And once we can achieve that, then we can start to do things like the snatch, the clean push jerk, some of these things with the real form, the real mechanics and technique that they're supposed to come with. But because I had this, you know, really tight ankle and tight hip position, I like to sit my hips really close to parallel. And I, because when you squat like that, you take your quads really far out of it and you put a lot on like your butt and hamstrings and lower back. Well, I already had a really strong butt and hamstrings and lower back because I never squatted. Right. And I never lunged. So I spent all my time just bending over and being super powerful there. That's why I could power clean a ton. I could deadlift a ton, but I couldn't front squat anything or overhead squat really anything. And so when we think about that progression, the only way I was going to do that, because as a 22 or 24 or 25 year old kid, I was very caught up in the ego of weightlifting. You look left and you look right and you see guys with you know big metal 45s on, you know, at the gym lifetime or the army gym. Like you don't want to be the guy who puts the small 25 pound metal plates on. But again, this goes back to being in the right mental state. Had I had a really good coach or a welcoming environment and somebody to say, like, not only is it okay for you to do it this way, like you should, you have to do it this way. We're not going to let you put more on until you can do it right. And that sort of in a nutshell is how good of a coach you're going to be and how good of an athlete you're going to be, right? Is you need to be able to walk up to somebody and say like, like they just do a super ugly PR, right? And you know, it's not repeatable. You know, there's a high chance of injury, you know, their mobility and their technique was very questionable. Maybe they just, eh, just eh, barely squeaked below parallel and they like, you know, kicked their hips and rounded their back and just wasn't a great lift. As a coach, you've got to walk up and you can't celebrate that moment. You, you have to be the person. And it's the same thing as your kid cheating on a test and getting an A. Like you can't celebrate that. You have to say that wasn't the right way to do it. 
Like more impressive to me is somebody who is perfectly under control and hits a PR, even if it's just by five pounds and you know they've got more in the tank, but everything was perfect. Perfect technique, perfect mobility, perfect range of motion. That's what's really impressive. And as coaches, that's what we're constantly pushing into. But as coaches, much like teachers, much like coaches in you know athletics and sports and just all throughout life, we're dealing all the time with the fragile psychological state of the ego, right? Or fragile psychological state of maybe, you know, self-confidence issues or, you know, whatever it might be in that case, um, you know, a rough day, just, you know, not just not feeling like they're in a great space. And so some of that gets back again to some of the mental end. So having the right mental state for, you know, movement and the mechanics of movement, like it's challenging, but man, when's the last time you watched the CrossFit games and watched somebody who like moves like trash? It's like Sam Briggs is the only person who really comes to mind who doesn't move well. And you look at like, okay, so let's take a peek then at Sam Briggs. Like she doesn't move great. Okay. She works all day on movement. She's worked with every coach, Kelly Sturette forever, Mike Bergner, Olympic lifting coaches forever, right? So she works on it. That's the majority of her work. But then who is she as an athlete? It's like, oh, she holds the, I think, 500 meter 1K and 2K women's world records on the rower. And she's not even a rower. She didn't like row in college. She's not on the Olympic team, holds the world records. So like, okay, so her movement is not very good, but she's a world-class conditioning athlete, right? So she skipped on the pyramid up to conditioning and up to sport before dialing in her movement. And that's what's really, I mean, if you look at the times that she hasn't been able to make the CrossFit games, it's because of that entirely, Right? There's an argument to be made that we didn't make the CrossFit Games in 2016. We missed it by 20 points because my overhead mobility forced me to miss that last snatch one inch or two inches forward. Plenty of pull. Bar was right where it should be. But my mobility was the reason that I missed that lift. And had I hit that bar twice, we would have made it or been very close. I'm not sure if that math is entirely accurate, but been very, very, very close to making the CrossFit games. And that's the difference. And that's the stuff where like you think about, it's like, okay, so we have to model what we do at friendship. We have to do everything in the light of making sure that every athlete has the opportunity to do this in a no ego, no judgment area where the coaching staff is constantly pushing the right way. Do it the right way. Have the right technique. Do mobility. Don't put too much weight on the bar. Make sure that you dial in the mechanics first, because once you get the mechanics and you start to build up you know, good range of motion and strength, sky is the limit. You have zero limitations. You're going to be almost totally free from injury. You're going to have all the, like, just no limit on the upward ceiling. But, you know, man, it's really hard. It's not easy. And so when you think about this comparatively to other sports, you know, we take it back to, let's just say running, right? Running is one of those ones where, again, how many people do you, I know, tons of marathoners and triathletes and all these people. And when you talk to them about how they work on their running mechanics and and their technique, a lot of them don't do it. And what you'll see is that the biggest sign of an amateur 
who's going to maybe even a novice, just a beginner who is going to have a very short lived stay in whatever they're talking about, whether it be CrossFit or running or martial arts or whatever it is, is the person who doesn't talk to you about their technique first. That's it. It's one of my things where I knew like Catherine was going to just kick ass because the first thing she said was I'm changing my stance or my I don't think it's called stance, my setup, uh, my positioning on the bike. And, you know, I'm kicking the seat higher, I'm more aerodynamic. And it's what my coach told me that I need to do. But, man, it's super uncomfortable. And I was like, I just got fired. The coach inside me was like, hell yeah. So you're uncomfortable to get into a better technical position because, you know, six months from now, it's going to pay off to better performance. That's it. That's like what it's all about. You've got to do it. Like I'm getting all juiced up and I don't even know what the hell she's talking about. But like that's what if the higher you get, the more you're talking to like a Rich Froning or Matt Frazier or, you know, whoever your idol is in your sport. Like listen to Ray Allen. Ray Allen wrote like the best blog post of all time. And I think if you just type out type in Ray Allen blog post, you get to see. But he just he writes a letter to like his 10 year old self or something like that. And I love it because it's just talking about fundamentals and technique. And I'm just like, yes, like it's what I needed to read. It's what the mentorship I needed when I was a kid, when I was 12, 13, 14. Had I just had that understanding drilled into me all the time as a kid, then I could you can be successful in anything if you understand the fundamentals and the technique and the fundamentals of movement is good mobility. And the technique is just high quality human functional movement, right? Which it's one of those things that's kind of weird, but you know it when you see it, even at the highest levels. And the example I always give for this is you ever turned on you know, women's gymnastics in the Olympics? You have no idea what it feels like to do. I think some Biles just did a double backflip with three twists on the floor. Like, go and watch it. It's un- like she's doing things that have just never even been conceptualized before. And you're watching it and you watch her do it. And you don't know, like, honestly, as a spectator, unless you know gymnastics, you don't know the difference between two and three spins. You you probably can't even see the difference. But what you can see is, oh, shit, that looked like that looks so crazy. That looked powerful. Like, what did she just do there? That was different. What made that harder? Like, and you can see you're watching these world-class gymnasts and the differences are just like, eh, like his foot wasn't pointed the right way. Oh, his feet separated. Oh, he wasn't totally vertical in that handstand. You know, you watch the women do the balance beam. You have no concept of how hard it is to do a back handspring on the balance beam because like we can't even do a cartwheel normally on the ground. Yet when you're watching the like gold medal gymnasts, you can see the difference between gold medalist and even sometimes silver medalist. You can see it. Because good human technique, good human movement is visually very, very appealing. Like you can just you just see it when you see it, you know it and you can see it on everything, everything from a bench press and a push up to an air squat to a lunge. If you watch somebody who moves really well. If you watch Maria go through a warm up and you watch somebody who's in their first group class of all time, all things equal, you could take somebody with zero knowledge and have them watch from across the room and they would be able to tell you that person is a practiced athlete and the other person looks like they're newer and they don't necessarily know what they're doing. 
And so that's the goal there, right? Is we want to get to the place where we knock out as much, you know, just base level human technique as we possibly can. So for me, I look at it very simply. Okay. I would say the plank first, then the push up, hanging from the bar first, and then the pull up, sitting in the bottom of a squat first, and then adding weight and load to it, being able to lunge our body weight and being able to press, or sorry, yeah, being able to lunge basically, I mean, just not additional body weight, but being able to basically do like a 400 meter walking lunge, right? Without putting your hands on your quads, like you should be able to do a lunge and then uh, being able to run and being able to finish basically a one mile at a running pace. Doesn't matter how fast that is, but just being able to do those things. And uh, I'm forgetting one. Oh, um, overhead pressing, right? We should be able to basically hold a PVC directly over our head with locked out arms. And it should be like in line with just almost like the back part of our head. Like we should attain that overhead mobility and then the strength to hold weight up in that position. Those are sort of just your base. Like that's just a quick list, but those are sort of your base technical mobility, strength, range of motion requirements that I think of. And that's very similar to kind of what we're testing with our movement assessment is where are we at with these things and can we safely start to load them and in what way and in what capacity? And that moves us into our next piece of the pyramid, which is capacity. So let's just say you come in and you're, you know, Kristen Jones, right? Or Jenny. Some of you guys don't know Kristen Jones, but Jenny, when Jenny came in for on route, it's like, we were like, okay, you know, here's, here's an overhead squat. And she's like, Oh, I've never done an overhead squat before. And it's like, Oh, cool. Let's put a bar over in my head. And like first night, let's just do like a hundred pounds, right? She's like a hundred and you know, 30 pound girl. And she just tosses a hundred pounds over her head and just does an overhead squat. It's just easy. Like no problem. Like first time ever learning it. Okay. And the reason is because she had the mobility She had the technique. And so now it's just a question of once we have those things dialed in, now it's just a question of building the central nervous system adaptation of the muscles and then building the muscles in those specific movements to develop the strength required throughout the full range of motion. So we talk about capacity. We have two different ways that we can make human movement harder. Okay. Actually, we'll say three different ways. Okay. Two different ways. The main ones are going to be we can move through a larger range of motion right? So if we're squatting and I tell you to do a quarter squat versus going an astagrass squat, obviously the astagrass squat is going to be harder because you're going to have a longer range of motion. So whatever load you're moving, you're moving at a longer distance. Okay. So range of motion means you can do a longer distance in the movement. That's always going to make things harder. The second piece is you can add more load or more intensity. Okay. So that that's pretty simple, right? Uh, but obviously like we start at body weight and we work up from there, or maybe even for some people, we start with taking some body weight assistance. So we take, you know, use a band for pull-ups and things like that. And then we work to a weighted pull-up and then the third, and then the other way of intensity is speed, right? So there's multiple different things from intensity, but intensity is going to build strength. And then the last one that we don't really talk about too much on here, but you guys know I'm obsessed with is, um, tempo. So tempo shows both control and really it's sort of the combination of strength and range of motion together, right? Is can we show control at the load under the full range of motion at a defined tempo? And so those are the three different ways really to increase capacity. And obviously if we start to try, so if we're skipping, if we're on the pyramid and we try to increase capacity without the mechanics, right? If we try to increase strength and range of motion without the mobility or the technique, hopefully you guys can see the issue there. 
that's going to lead to injury, or at the very least, it's going to really rapidly increase the rate of potential injury. And so it has to be mechanics first and then capacity second, right? So once we start to think about we're building this strength inside of the full range of motion, at this point in the pyramid, we're like right at the midway point. Now it's kind of off to the races a little bit, right? Now it's kind of like, okay, so we're in a amazing mental state, right? Like we are just, we're positive every day. We believe in what we're doing. We're bought in, we're showing up, we're listening to the coaches, like committed to getting better every day. We are dialed in with nutrition, right? We're eating really clean foods. We're doing it consistently every single day. Now I've got the full mobility to be able to perform all of the natural human movements I just laid out and do it with good technique. And now we can start to develop the strength throughout the range of motion by building capacity. Guess what? Right there, you can almost stop the pyramid, stop the presses, like right there. If you can do that, you are going to be a phenomenally like hard to kill human being, right? You are going to be a formidable athlete and human machine, and you're going to be in great health. You're never going to have to battle chronic diseases or any of these different things. Like you are going to be dialed in, as dialed in as your genetics and your predispositions will allow you to be. Okay. So that's a big like break point. Then what we start to think about the next piece and the last piece of this that we'll wrap with is the consistency of it. And you guys have all felt this before, right? It's one thing to be able to, you know, put a a empty barbell in a front squat and be able to sit down through a tempo into a full range of motion squat and stand back up. It is another thing for me to tell you to do a hundred of those without setting the barbell down right? What's going to start to happen, right? Your elbows are going to start to dip and lower. Your torso is going to start to get bad. Your posture starts to sag, right? Maybe your squat, your knees start to cave in a little bit, right? And you don't start to go as deep in the squat. And so your consistency in your mechanics and your capacity starts to break down. And this happens for every single person, every human at enough, you know, there's always a challenge point, whether it be intensity and load, whether it be time under tension, whether it be range of motion, whether it be bad mechanics or mobility, everybody has a breaking point. But the goal from a health perspective is to build the consistency of that breaking point to go higher and higher and higher. So let's take that example. Let's say we're doing 100 front squats with an empty bar. Okay, what you're going to find is the people with the best mobility and technique are going to be able to hang on the longest. Next, the people who are the strongest and have the best range of motion are going to do the best. So if we have two people who have exactly equal technique and mobility, right, we start to go through the hundred. The person who is going to front squat more is usually going to be able to do better than the person who can front squat less. Right. So if there's somebody who can front squat 95, the person next to him can squat front squat 295, they're going to be able to have better capacity to go through that hundred. Okay. But from there, then we start getting into some other things. And and basically, for the most part, we're going to see somebody break down. But maybe the person who front squats 95 pounds breaks down at rep 60. And the person who front squats 295, maybe they break down at rep 72. Right. So that consistency, being able to have better longevity with our movement patterns under more intensity and under more load is going to, number one, show be a great display of your health and wellness, but also lead to less injury, um, you know, better high end performance. So, you know, you can handle more volume. And this is the big thing when we start thinking about movement and consistency and capacity. Right. Is if you have good mechanics 
and you're really consistent in those mechanics, then you're going to do the movements the right way. And that is going to place less stress on your body or like as a whole. And so you're going to be able to get stronger, but also repeat the same movement patterns or challenge those muscles in a different way sooner because it's going to be less abrasive on your system. So we're hopefully you guys can start to see how we're forming this picture, right? We're forming this kind of general health picture. And now the picture really starts to get kind of an exciting part because this is the thing that I believe with movement. And I didn't even start with this one. Really, I should have. But, you know, I believe obviously that food is medicine, but I also believe that movement is medicine. There's a bunch of different physiological reasons for this. But the biggest one for us is that blood flow and circulation and all of the endorphins and positive chemicals and everything that come from us just moving, going out and getting a sweat going, that right there does so much for us at the bottom of the pyramid, right? It gets us into a better mental state. And that maybe is the biggest part about why we need to exercise is it puts us back into a better mental state. And then when we're in a better mental state and we've been moving, then, you know, traditionally people like to go home and they don't want to quote unquote ruin their workout. So they make better healthy eating choices. And so movement, it's the third tier on this triangle but it supports the base two levels. And so I think when all of these come together, you create this really rock solid foundation for us to start moving up into next week's discussion, which is conditioning. So hopefully you guys took some stuff away from this. I love, love, love talking about movement and, you know, kinesiology and all of the exercise fizz part of things. But I always try to remind myself, like when I talk to Maria about these things or when we have these discussions, that we have to kind of come up with analogies so I think people can understand it. Because at its base, at its core, people really just want to know the brass tacks take away from it. And they don't necessarily want to know the underlying education, at least not as much as like nutrition or maybe even sometimes sleep. Like people just like to show up and feel like they worked hard. But a lot of times what we need to understand is that's not really and honestly, that can be a bad mindset. That's not always the right mindset to be in, because a lot of times what you maybe need to do first, if you're paying attention to this, is focus on less on feeling like you're destroyed and you quote unquote got a great workout in maybe more focused on, wow, I just grinded away on 30 minutes on my squat mechanics. I just grinded 30 minutes away on building better pelvic floor mechanics and better core strength and learning how to use my core. For a lot of people, and for me especially, had I started with that, Had I understood those things early, I could have gone places and done things physically that I was never able to achieve. And so that mindset needs to be one of the first things that we understand is just moving. Just the process of moving is going to net us a ton of positive health benefits. And we shouldn't be so obsessed with absolutely driving ourselves deep into the ground every single day, knowing that the mechanics and building the capacity are actually the hardest pieces of this puzzle. And sometimes, and really a lot of times, that stuff's going to be not always like the hardest stuff in the world, right? It's not Murph. It's not Airdynes and sled pushes, 
right? It's kettlebell barefoot front squat holds. It's split carries. It's planks. Sometimes it's the simple stuff that we really need that are going to net us the best benefit for the long term. So hopefully that leaves you guys in a good mind space for this week. Uh, I am headed off to New York City this weekend to go and see one of the beloved original coaches of friendship, Tom Heben. And so I wish you guys well, and I hope you have a great, fantastic end of the week and are able to work on your movement this week and build some capacity and some consistency, work your mechanics, listen to your coaches ask your coaches like my favorite question in the world to be asked is mechanically what do you think I could work on to be better to increase my ceiling for potential performance for potential health right and obviously the first thing I'm gonna say is well are you in the right mental state how's your nutrition (laughs) so uh love you guys hope you have a great week and good weekend and uh wish you well and I hope you guys are keeping up with your old friends making trips out to see them and staying connected with them telling them you love them and if you haven't shoot them a text right now as soon as this podcast is done which is now (laughs) 